Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This story happened back in the summer of 2021. I lived by myself in a nice house inside a small town. Low crime, but still the occasional shady f***er comes around. Anyway, I was at work that day, on a smoke break. I happened to watch a dog get thrown from a moving vehicle. Four-lane city traffic during the start of rush hour. I ran right out there, scooped his little ass up, and booked it back to my workplace. He wasn't injured, amazingly, and as a bleeding heart animal lover, I decided to take him home with me until I could figure out what exactly to do with him. I have a large amount of cats, and always have, but this was my first experience with a dog that I was solely responsible for. This guy was very shy, head hung, tail tucked, jumpy, just looking at me with these big sad eyes like I was about to beat him. I was clueless on the subject of dog personalities and tendencies. I just knew they needed to be taken out frequently. His first night with me, we had been out maybe 15 times, as I didn't want him shitting in my house. I was having my final cigarette of the night on my porch at around 11pm. The dog was on a lead, chilling under my chair as I smoked and poked about on Reddit. I see a man walking on the sidewalk that runs right by my house. The man kept glancing up at me before he passed. Shortly after he passed my house, he stopped, turned on a heel, and approached. Hey, can you tell me where 302 Church Street is? He asked. I told him that I would search the address on my phone, which of course was taking a minute to load. He explained that he didn't have a phone of his own and was attempting to get to a friend's house, taking small steps towards me the whole time. Finally, the address that I summoned came up. It's exactly two blocks north of here, right on the southwest corner of the cross street, I told him, pointing in the direction. He kept his eyes locked on me, continuing to slowly move closer. Doggo starts growling very softly at this point. I'd forgotten he was even there up until now. Mind if I take a look at the map? He grinned sheepishly. I'm bad with directions. I rose from my seat, pointing once more. It's just two blocks up this road. Just follow it, two blocks. The house will be on your left, making it very clear that I wasn't just going to give him my phone. Well, can I call them? I need to let them know that I'm coming, he said, still creeping closer, extending his hand this time. No, I curtly replied. How about text them, pushing forward still? Dude, no, I started towards my door. Just, just let me see your phone. He was visibly becoming pissed off, clearly trying to contain it, and getting way too close to my porch. As a last-ditch effort of getting this dude to f**k off, I say, Dude, you need to get the f**k out of my yard. My dog is protective, and he will f**k you up. Hell, I didn't know the first f**king thing about this dog, let alone whether he had the capacity to f**k someone up. I just hoped that saying so would intimidate pushy phone guy. Like I had said the magic words, Pupper springs into action, 
a la the wolf creature from the never-ending story. He emerges like a bullet from under the chair, growling, snarling, barking his little tail off. He jerks me damn near off the porch trying to get at this guy. He sounded and acted like a 100-pound attack dog, not a 35-pound timid beagle mix. I was afraid. I didn't know if the pup would turn on me. As stated previously, at the time I knew absolutely jack shit about dogs. He backed his hindquarters into my legs, almost nudging me to the door, still carrying on. Eyes locked on the phone dude and baring his teeth every step of the way. Phone dude holds up his hands and backs off, stammers something like, uh, two blocks north, yeah, got it, and begins walking that way. I head inside, cut off my lights, and peek out the window at him. The guy glances back at my house, assured that I'm inside. He turns and begins walking the completely opposite direction of which I had originally pointed him in. The icing on the cake? He pulls out a phone from his pocket and raises it to his ear as if to make a call. Doggo secured his place as a member of my family that night. He is incredibly protective of me and has frightened away more than one other creep since this incident. He's attached to my hip and has made it known that he is grateful to be in a safe and loving home, wherein he will never again become a projectile from a moving vehicle. His name is Hank, and I truly believe that that night would have ended very poorly for me had he not been there. To preface this story, I have to say that I truly enjoy driving, like hours-long drives to nowhere with no destination in mind. Just me, my music, and the road ahead of me. Living in Nebraska, I'd often take back roads or lonely highways cutting through the countryside to small towns, and eventually cities, and I'd usually take these drives at night, since there was way less traffic to worry about. This is something that I've done ever since I got my license four, maybe five years ago, and I've never once had any sort of issue, nor have I ever run into any trouble. That was until a few nights ago. For reference, I'm a relatively small 22-year-old female, and as I've stated before, I often take these drives completely and utterly alone. They're a good way to clear my head when I'm stressed, upset, or overwhelmed, or for me to get a plan together to sort personal issues out. I've also done these long and lonely drives to get away from the toxicity of my household when I used to live with my parents as a means of coping with their alcoholism. Though, now that I've moved out and am in a much better place mentally, I don't really have the urge to get in my car and just drive anymore. Not much, at least. However, on the night that this event took place, I was feeling pretty overwhelmed, stressed, and anxious with a clusterfuck of personal issues that I'd rather not get into. I felt restless and irritable around my boyfriend, couldn't focus on anything else, and decided I would take a drive to clear my head. My boyfriend was understanding and told me to be careful and not to be gone for too terribly long, since it was already getting pretty late. I agreed, gave him a kiss goodbye, and left. I drove around our city for about 30 minutes, but I was still feeling on edge about everything transpiring in my personal life, so I decided to drive further north down those familiar, dark, winding one-lane highways. I kept the car at a steady 65 miles per hour taking the turns at a slower pace in case a deer jumped out around the bend and was admiring the vast empty darkness 
of the snow-capped fields and barren trees. It was honestly a bit creepy being all alone with no cars in sight, in seemingly the middle of nowhere, the few houses miles back from the road lightless, and the dead cornfields withered away and covered in snow. It was like something out of a horror movie, and I half expected to see a ghost pop up in my rearview mirror, or to see someone clamber out from the patches of trees dotting the horizon. The only light came from my headlights, and even then, I still strained to see through the inky darkness of the night. By now, it was just after midnight, and I told myself that once I had made the familiar roundabout that would either take you to a small town or back up towards the city, I would head back home. The roundabout was still maybe 15 to 20 minutes away, but other than my imagination picturing the worst, I wasn't really all that concerned. I mean, I was by myself. I didn't have any other motorist to worry about. Right? Wrong. As I'm rounding another bend, I notice a vehicle with its hazard lights flashing, maybe a quarter of a mile in front of me. It was some sort of sedan, dark colored, and was angled to where only part of it was on the shoulder, while the rest jutted out onto the road. Like they had tried to pull over in a hurry, but didn't quite manage to do that. The driver's side door was flung wide open, and as I slowed my vehicle down and angled it towards the opposite side of the road to pass, I could make out what looked like maybe blood on the inside of the open door. I didn't see anyone on the road or in the car, and I was the only motorist in sight. Cell phone reception is pretty spotty at best in this part of the country, but more often than not, you couldn't get reception no matter how hard you prayed, which was definitely the case when I took a glance at my phone to see if I had any bars. So, a lone female on the road, at night, pulling up nearby to a vacant vehicle that looks like someone had been attacked on the inside, with no cell service. Just great. Now, I'm no dummy. I've watched countless episodes of Investigation Discovery and Criminal Minds, and read far too many true crime books to know that this had bad and danger written all over it but there was still a small part of me that worried something terrible had happened to whoever was in that vehicle, and I thought I needed to help. These roads don't get a lot of traffic late at night, and the temperatures were well below freezing by now. If someone were hurt or in trouble, there was no one and nothing else to help them but me. Still, I erred on the side of caution. I was still driving my car, though a bit more slowly, and as I approached the vehicle, I rolled down my passenger side window a bit, shut off the music, and called out, Hey, anyone there? Are you okay? I didn't hear a response. I worried they were passed out somewhere, but I wasn't about to get out and go look for them. I told myself that I'd call out one more time, and if I didn't hear anything, I would leave, and the moment that there was reception, I'd call it in. And if I did hear someone, well... I'd figure out my next course of action then. So again, I shout, Hey, what happened? Are you okay? There was silence for a beat, and then I heard rustling in the shadows of the trees, followed by a gruff voice saying, Yeah? I was relieved at first, and was about to say something in response, or possibly even stop my car and get out, when I noticed three things nearly simultaneously. As I inched my way past the front of the sedan, I noticed that there was no damage to the hood or anywhere else on the vehicle, which I found to be strange considering the blood 
on the inside of the door. In my rearview mirror, I caught a glance of someone creeping out from behind the sedan, and they were making their way towards my car, fast. The person didn't have any blood on them, nor did they appear to be injured in any way. They were wearing a mask, but not like a face mask for COVID, or a ski mask or anything normal like that, but one of those masks you would see in the Purge movies, and they were holding something in their hand. I don't know for sure what it was, I couldn't get a good look, but from its length and shape, my guess was maybe a tire iron or a crowbar. I don't need to tell you that I slammed on the gas the moment I noticed those things and drove like a bat straight out of hell, my heart thundering in my chest, my entire body shaking. My window was still rolled down in my haste and the music was still shut off, so I could very clearly hear someone, definitely a man, shouting at me, though I had no clue what they were saying. I just knew that I had to get out of there, immediately. I stole one last look in my rearview mirror as I drove off, mostly to see if they were getting in their sedan to chase or if they had stopped. The man with the weapon was still standing in the middle of the road watching me, and right before I looked away from the mirror, I saw a second man emerge from the trees that had been rustling earlier also wearing one of those creepy masks, with no trace of blood on him. I probably broke every law for speeding that night, but I wanted to get as far away from those men as possible. As soon as I made it to the roundabout, I turned towards the small town, parked in the Walmart parking lot that thankfully still had cars from who I assumed were workers closing up shop, and proceeded to have a full-on meltdown. When I could pull myself together, I called one of my friends, T., who was a police officer, to tell him what had happened and asked what I should do. He was concerned for me, and after asking if I was okay, where I was, did they follow me? He told me that since this was out of the city limits, he couldn't do much on his end, but he could get in contact with the local police or sheriff in that jurisdiction to take my statement and to check it out. I agreed, thanked him, and while I waited for the police to show up, I called my boyfriend. Through my hysterical sobs and panic, I managed to tell him what happened not even 10 or so minutes ago. He was, as you could imagine, super freaked for my safety and wanted me to either come home immediately or drive down himself to take me home. I told him the police were on their way to take my statement so I couldn't leave, but that I was okay, and I stayed on the phone with him until I saw the familiar police cruisers pulling into the lot. I gave the police my statement and they assured me they would go back to the spot I told them the sedan had been to take a look and that they would try to catch the guys who had done it. Though, with no cameras and no description of the men, I wasn't sure they'd be able to. I didn't even get the license plate number. Though, at the time of my panic, the thought never came to mind until the police were asking if I got it. All they had to go off of was a dark-colored sedan and two guys in masks. After I gave my statement, I went home and stayed curled up close to my boyfriend the entire night, listening to every sound the house made in fear it would be those guys arriving any minute to finish whatever it was they started. Since the incident, I haven't heard back from the police about whether or not they have any leads, and I'm not sure if I ever will. I'm just thankful I'm still here and that I didn't stop my car or get out. I'm not sure what would have become of me if I had. I still have so many questions that have zero answers. What were they doing? Why? 
Was that blood on the inside of the car? Or just a ruse to get more attention? If it really was blood, did they hurt someone else? And what would have happened to me if I had stopped my car? Needless to say, I won't be going on any more late night drives to anywhere. And I hope I never cross paths with those freaks ever again. This happened to me yesterday, and before anyone says a thing, yes, I know I'm stupid. I had just gotten home from work around 9pm and had barely had any time to get my shoes off when I get a phone call from some number that I don't recognize. Now, I'm searching for new jobs and thought that it might be one of the places that I was applying to calling me back. I answer the call, and it's some guy who says that he's with some kind of third-party detention center which, as he explained it, was for low-risk inmates that were sent there whenever the local jails were busy or filled. That should have set off a nice big red flag for me, but for whatever reason, it just made sense in my tired brain. I'm getting ready to tell this guy that I'm not interested in making a donation or anything like that, when he asks, am I speaking with, and then says my full name. I confirm and he says that they're holding my boyfriend at this center, saying my boyfriend's full name and giving me a dead-on description of him. I ask what was going on since my boyfriend was supposed to be at work right now, and the guy on the other end provides an explanation. He says that my boyfriend had struck a pregnant woman with his car on his way to work that day, and that he happened to have a blood alcohol content four times the legal limit. He said that the woman was in critical condition and that my boyfriend had broken a few ribs and his nose in the accident. I'm freaking out at this point and ask if I can speak to my boyfriend, to which the man obliges. I'm put on hold for a moment or two before my boyfriend picks up the line. This person on the other end was panicking, saying how it wasn't his fault, and he begged me to not tell his parents, again using my name and his pleas. It didn't particularly sound like my boyfriend, but I figured it was because of the broken nose that he supposedly had, and his tone really helped to sell it, because it all sounded so legitimate. The original man came back on the line before I had a chance to ask any questions, and explains that they had to sedate my boyfriend since he had begun to panic and hyperventilate, which I was starting to relate to more and more by the second. The man on the other end of the phone tells me that I should come right away and that the bail is set for $2,000 cash only. I stupidly tell him that I don't have that much, and that I might have half of that. He tells me that it's fine, and that I can work something out with the front office, once I get there, and to just bring what I have, seeming as if he's trying to calm me down. He's giving me the address, and I can barely hold a pen because my hands are shaking so badly, and I'm very poorly trying to hold back tears, when all of a sudden, the front door flings open and in walks my boyfriend. Completely normal looking, no broken nose, but more than a little confused as to why I'm crying. I'm still on the phone with this man and ask him what the f he thinks he's doing, telling him how my boyfriend just walked in just as this man promptly hangs up. I tried calling the number back a few times, but was hit with the quintessential. The user you have reached has traveled outside of the service area. Please try your call again. I found out that the power to the bar that my boyfriend worked at had gone out, 
so his boss sent everyone home early. And I can honestly say that I've never been so grateful for a power outage ever in my life. My boyfriend slept on the couch to keep watch, but unfortunately, I still couldn't sleep that night. So I decided to look up the name of the organization that the man said that he worked for. Big surprise, it turned up nothing. I then looked up the address that he had given me on Google Maps just to see that it was some random abandoned strip mall in the middle of a sketchy-ass area nearly an hour and a half outside of town. What really freaked me out about this whole thing was the guy knew my number, both me and my boyfriend's full names, but didn't sound like anyone we had ever met before. I have no idea what would have been waiting for me there, but I'm counting my lucky stars right now. So, to the guy who wanted to meet me for only God knows what, at that sketchy-ass strip mall, let's not meet. 